0: Turn with me uh, to the uh, Book of Romans and uh, the sixth chapter. If you do not have a Bible, Joe will uh, will pass you one. We'd like to have one open in front of us. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, just peruse through Scripture this time uh, instead of reading the whole thing. We'll take it verse by verse. So uh, let's. Uh, so if you get your Bibles open in front of you, then uh, then you'll be with me. You'll be with me. If you need a Bible, put your hand up. And uh, thank you, Joe, for, for doing that. Uh, it's just such a good day to be <laughs> worshiping Jesus together. I just, I don't know, I, sometimes it just, it just amazes me uh, uh, that God gives us the opportunity to do this. It is such a privilege and honor. I get to be in church I get to be together with the family. I get to. That, that's an honor. That's an honor. With everything else in, in life that tries, to, that tries to pull at us, we get to. And so as we continue on, I you know, just wonder, I'm just in reflection, um, um, I'm hoping that last week our focus on forgiveness was kind of like a, a good scenic Uh, turnout, you know, when you're driving a lot. We got a couple of people who drive in their truck a lot. And and sometimes when you're driving for hours, it's just great to kind of turn off and to see either a beautiful mountain or to see a beautiful lake. And to me, that was what forgiveness was last week. Uh, Like I said, it had taken me, I had written it in July and God said last week was the time to do it because it really is that transition from uh, an understanding of justification as God has positioned you before him righteous that, that you get to live it out in sanctification and I think foundational to that is receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ from the cross and then living it out by being able to forgive others and give that mercy away. And it is just a beautiful thing. Um, and it's not fake. It's not something that you, oh, I, you know, that shouldn't have bothered me, and so I forgive. No, no, no. It's clearly understanding what happened, how it affected you, talking to God about it, and and clearly laying it out, and then waiting in patience as God is working on the other person so that they can go through the same process because the forgiveness is just not about conflict resolution, but it's about building relationships back. Our Jesus is about relationships. Our Jesus is about setting the soul free not to live in isolation anymore, which our natural our natural uh, tendency is as human beings to kind of isolate and just kind of live off in the corner somewhere. And hey, you know, I won't bother you; won't bother me. No, 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 no. Our God is a God who brings people together because He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and He is the one that builds community. And in Him, there's a community that keeps building. And if it's not, there's a problem. Unforgiveness separates. Forgiveness draws us, both from God and to each other. I hope that makes sense to you, and I hope that you'll practice that in your life. Because that is true life. That is true life. And that's based off the fact that in chapter 5, we learn that grace is much more. That whether you've sinned once or whether you've sinned a million times, there's nothing too great for God. His grace is greater than. And you can, you can hear that today, maybe for the first time. His grace is greater. And it is overcoming. If you will receive that, changes your life. I know there's people that are living under a, a load of, I have sinned so much. I have sinned so much, maybe this time is too much for God. No, stop it. Don't let that burden you. Don't let that weigh you down. Come to him, repent, and allow his mercy to lift you off because his mercies are new every year. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, 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 this has got to be the truth. His mercies are new every month. No, c- come on, come on, come on. No, 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 sh- be quiet. And, <laughs> His mercies are new every week. No, that's not right. His mercies are new every morning. Now, you know, and that is so significant because somebody who is under the burden and the weight of their sin, guess what I know about you? You wake up with it every day. You wake up with it every day. You go, oh crap. And maybe you have another word for that, but you go, oh crap, it's another day and I have to face this. Every morning, this is what I know to be true. You can wake up tomorrow morning free from your shame in your guilt. I know that. I know that. I had to wake up that way today. Every day. For all of us. It's the only hope. It's the only hope. And so, and so if you get that and you get forgiveness and you get the fact that you have been justified standing positionally before God, Absolutely righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Then it's all new. It's all new. And chapter 6 is going to make sense to you because chapter 6 gives us four strong reasons. You know, there's times that I will look at somebody and they're, they're telling me about their life and they're telling me you know, about the burden and things that they are going on. i say, okay, well, give me your strong reasons why you're burdened down. Give me your strong reasons why you want to live with this guilt and shame. And they will. I mean, they'll just they'll go on with it. Well, chapter six is God's four strong reasons why you can be free. And, and three ways in which we respond to the freedom that he's given us in salvation in our life. And so, this week, this week, I, I was thinking about this, and, uh, and I, uh, the Lord gave me a picture of how to bring this forward to y'all. And, uh, and so, um, never done this before. I'm sure glad that one of us in this room has a lot more skill than I do in this area, and so I would like to invite Danny Hamlet forward, who you may not know is our resident artist. It's kind of a hidden talent, but it is a talent that uh, that is very cool and so yeah <laughs> the babies have drawn the paint right out of her um but um what I, what I want you to know as she sets up here, what I want you to know is that, is that in, in regards to sanctification, that um, it really is, sanctification is really um, growing in the experience of living out a sinless life by sinning less sinning less we're not gonna be perfect in doing this I'm not like I said I had to wake up this morning with mercy being brand new just like you did it's not any different for anybody else there's no levels here the pastor stands at the same ground level that y'all do and I need Jesus just like you all do um, and so, but but this is the encouragement behind sanctification that you need to hear. One Thessalonians four three says this: It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Um, let me um, give me the sign for how many? How many can go against God's will? How many is that in this world against God's will? Zero. 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 Zero can't. His will will be accomplished. You're here a Christian today. It is his will for you to be sanctified. That should build a foundation to want to listen to what he wants to say to us today. Because if it's his will, then how did he accomplish it? And how do I respond to it? So, the, the title of this uh, today was actually from yes, last week's, um, um, song that he sang again this week, and it is The Art of Losing Yourself. And the reason why I chose uh, that as a title is because, um, um, as, as, as Danny is going to be in front of us here today, and I just, I, I, just, I just, she's so cool. I like called her like on Thursday and says, hey, I got this idea. She said, okay. Okay, and here she is. (laughs) But as Art takes intentionality in life, I mean, she's intentionally, and and she's gonna intentionally draw something that, no, no, I I, I gotta show you something. The reason is, this is what I sent to her to say, this is the vision that God gave me. And I said, I'm sure you can do a whole lot better than me. (laughs) And so, anyway, so I, you know. But art is intentional. And, And people of God, to live the Christian life out takes intentionality. It does. Yes, Jesus has done everything. And there's four great reasons why you would set your life in an intentional direction to follow him. Now, let me ask this question, because this is helpful and This is free because it's not in my notes. I haven't been even looking at my notes. But how many of you know what the effect is of being unintentional, of being lazy, of kind of sitting back and not doing anything, of, of sin that comes back up again because you kind of lost your focus on Jesus Christ? Uh, don't leave me up here alone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, in fact, I remember stories that, that I've been told uh, from some of you who have shared your life with me of times in your life where you felt that backsliding, where you felt like you moved back and, and you were concerned about how it affected your family, you were concerned about, yes. And so, so art is intentional. And the Christian life is an intentional walk with Jesus Christ. Because something has happened, that we know is true, we can walk intentionally forward, not based on our, I've been preaching against performance Christianity for months, not based on performance, but based on what's true, based on what's true. You know, you're sitting here today because you knew that that chair would hold you. There was a truth that put you in that seat, but there is a, there's truths that put us into this Christian life that we need to hold on to, and there's a response to that, and so that is what I want to talk about today, and uh, like I was told this week, I hope nobody has roasts in the oven, and so, um, so anyways, but I want to draw your attention um, to kind of the visual picture of this. Um, there was a man who lived in England, and just like many of us who think that we have to leave to find ourselves, he decided that he was going to run away um, from England to find himself. He ended up in Africa, and he ended up being a slave to a, to a, um, a white slave trader, and uh, he was a slave for, his, for this slave trader's black wife. And he was cruelly treated. In fact, he had to actually go out into the woods and find um, wild yams and dug them up so that he could survive and eat. Well, he, um, he, he, he ran away from that, finally, and was free of that. And he lived with some natives in, an, in a nearby um, area and lived there for a while and, uh, until... He himself became a sea captain. And he actually captained a slave ship, which I think is so interesting. Don't we become that which we hate? That is a natural move of life, is that we become that. So he became a sea captain, and it's it's estimated that he uh, um, captained some 20,000 slaves to the West Indies, and to the Americas in his years. Well, I think it was in 1748, he was converted to to Christianity. His life completely changed. And he came back, what? He came back to England. Oh, I guess you don't run away from where God has you. And then he became a pastor. And he became a prolific um, writer, of hymns. And you may know John Newton's hymn called Amazing Grace. Yeah, that's his life. I I want that picture in front of your eyes because Jesus Christ is a life change. It's a change from being a slave to one thing to being a slave of another to being a slave of sin, to being a slave of righteousness. And and that'll go on. We'll talk about that later in chapter 6. But it is a change. And to give credibility to the writer, uh, I want to take you to 1 Timothy, uh, the first chapter, uh, starting with verse 13. So if you hold your finger in in Romans 6, you want to go to 1 Timothy with me. 1 Timothy 1, starting with the 13th verse. Somebody who's speaking ought to have credibility before us. And so here it is. 1 Timothy 1, 13, says these words through the uh, 17th verse. It says, Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Knew where? Knew how many times? Every morning. Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Yes. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst but for that very reason, this is so cool, for that very reason, since I was the worst, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might, be, might display his immense patience as an example for those who will believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. I don't know, Ryan. If you uh, if you see that the way I see it, but there was just like he broke out in worship right there, when he realized what Jesus Christ had really means to him. He just woke. He just he just woke up, and that'd be a good uh, line for some song. Yeah. Anyways, and so so getting back to, to six now. I hope you have a vision of somebody who um who lived his life in John Newton as an as art of losing himself. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, who also did the same. And I pray that you also will do that. And so, as you look at, um, at chapter 6, look with me at verse 1. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And, and so, you know, he, he knew that is, he opened up and as he, as he talked from Romans 5 about as, as um, sin increases, grace increases all the more, that his legalistic antagonists would say to themselves, well, if that's true, if it has nothing to do with me, then I ought to just go ahead and sin more. You know why that is, right? It's because the philosophy in the day was that the, the material body did not matter as much as the soul. And so, whatever happened in the body did not did not affect the person as much as what was going on in the soul. So they worked on their soul, but then their body could about do anything they wanted. Do um, you think that happens today? Absolutely. You think that there are Christians that that go to drink, uh, go to church, and then um, they're found in the bars getting drunk, or they're found uh, looking at porn as though there's no issue, or they're found. Um, um, as we were at a conference, um, and we had um, a gal, I was I was talking about the change in Sue in my life, and and the book that God used uh, to to orchestrate some of that. And a gal talked to us, and she told us a story about the fact that her husband was a pastor, but he started an affair with another woman, and now has um, has stepped down from the pastorate. But she, um, he was supposed to be at the conference with her but she showed us on his phone that where they lived and where his phone was at, and he was at his girlfriend's house. Yeah, yeah, no big deal, no big deal. And so Paul knew that that's exactly how um, his, his accusers work, that if it's about grace, then I can do whatever I want. And so... What do you believe, and where does your confidence lie in your belief? I had an interesting challenge. Uh, in fact, did a did a did a um, did a little devotion on the challenge because I was challenged with the whole idea of once saved, always saved, and um, and so I, I, I did a little study on that. Do you believe that in Christ? Your salvation is secure for all eternity. It makes all the difference in the world. But where, we, where the divergent off of this comes from this, is everybody who says they're saved, saved? No. No, they're not. I often say this. It matters less what you say you believe, and it matters more what God believes about you. It does. What does God believe about you? Where I find the theology for once saved, always saved is that, is that Jesus Christ says in, in John 1 that, um, that he is the one who gives the right to become a child of God. There's no human interaction in that. He does. And in chapter 3, he says to Nicodemus, "You must be born again. You must be born again, and the Spirit is like a wind; it blows wherever it wants to." And then, in, in and then in chapter six, he says this: "If you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you are saved." Now he's talking spiritually, right? We're not gonna, we're not cannibals here. But what he's talking about is. Does he dwell inside your heart? Have you received and believed in the truth of the gospel? And that it's changing you from the... (laughs) Inside out! No longer is your outside dictating where you go. But your inside is. Your inside you're changing because inside of me the Spirit speaks and the Spirit is moving and the Spirit is empowering me to move forward. And so Paul answers that question in the next verse in chapter 2 by saying by saying this, by no means. By no means. Fourteen times in Paul's writings does he say this. Nine times in the book of Romans. And, and what it means... Is it, is it means, um, may it never be? Um, and that's where the much more of grace is so important. Because whether it's one sin or multiple sins, um, a life is changed and you know it. And so as we get into these four principles, Danny's going to be Writing and 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 painting these principles out in front of you, and so let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Um, so in um, in uh, in verse three, it says. In response, so so the, the the main question is okay. So shall we say then? Let's go on in sinning so that grace may increase. By no means. Why? Because we are those who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? That is a great question. If you've died to something, how can you keep doing it? Right? My dad was a builder. Strongest man I know in my life. How much building on this earth did he do after he was in the casket? None. Can't do it. Can't respond. That's why Jesus says today is a great day. Repent. Don't be like those people who harden their hearts. And so, and so off of that question, off of that question, Paul builds the four great reasons. So first, the first reason in, chapter, or in verse 3 says this, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized under Christ Jesus... The first point is this. We have a, and you've heard it, you'll hear it again because so many people don't really grab a hold of this. There's a new identity and solidarity to Jesus Christ represented uh, in my vision by the color blue. Baptism. Makes sense, doesn't it? I, I, we're not, it i am not talking about brilliance here. I'm just, it makes sense to me. And so um, our first identity, Christ, and to his death, has been seen at baptism. It is the symbol that reveals a life dying to self and being cleansed by Christ into a new life. And that is what baptism is supposed to represent. But if you stop there, then everybody who was baptized says, done deal. (laughs) Done deal. But Do we know people who have been baptized, who have walked away from their faith? Yes, we do. Because the second part of baptism was not in their life. In 1 Corinthians 10, 2, Paul gives a spiritual picture of what was happening in the desert. As the people of Israel were walking through the Red Sea with Moses, as people were, being, um, were, were seeing the, the cloud of smoke during the day and the cloud of fire at night, they saw water come out of a rock, they saw food come down from heaven. And this is a spiritual picture for us. But they would never have experienced any of that If they weren't identified, and that's what 1 Corinthians 10, 2 says, that they identified themselves with Moses. What do you mean by that? It means that they followed him. They followed him. They would not have gone through the Red Sea if they didn't follow Moses. Now, God was leading Moses. That's why Paul says, you know, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, right? We got to put it in the right place. But, But, just like we know about veterans, day, we need some warriors that are willing to stand up and to follow Jesus Christ unabandoned. Because what did Billy Graham say would happen if they did? If they follow with courage, the ones following behind them would stiffen up their back and follow too. I love that. I love that. And so so, baptism is also the fact that every day of my life I'm identified to Jesus Christ because I'm following him. I don't care what you believe religiously if you're not following him. That's what he said from the beginning. That's what he's calling us to do. That's what baptism is about. And that was the point that Paul was trying to get across. as, As we are baptized first in the heart with a changed heart for Jesus Christ, then the outworking of that is I'm going to follow him. Listen to me. No matter what the cost. Because there is a cost. Because there are natural tendencies that human beings follow as an easier course in life. And sometimes God is going to say, I want you to take the easy way. I want you to take the hard way. I want you to take the hard way. I know. I know. I know that you're lonely, but will you follow me? I know you can be like Elijah and go through depression, but will you go back and follow me like Elijah did? I know that life is hard. I know that there are things that um, that you have struggled with. I know that, but will you follow me, he says. Will you be identified with me no matter what the cost? If you want to go with me uh, to the book of Titus, the third chapter, uh, 4 through 6, it says these words. This is a reality about baptism. 4 through 6 says these words, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Do you get that? Stop looking at what you're not doing. Look at what he has done. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lavished with the Holy Spirit so that you can, so that you can make the tough choices to follow him even when the road is difficult. Even when it seems impossible. Because you're baptized unto Christ. You can. Not because of you, but because of him. So baptism. Baptism is that first, that first strong reason why you can follow him. Does that make sense to you? Are you baptized under Jesus Christ? Have you eaten his flesh and drank his blood? Is he living inside of you? You know it. You know it. And you know you've been faking it if you have, but you know it. You know what you know. First first truth. Second. Second truth. Uh, verse three b through five. Look at it. It says, "Okay, so um, you were baptized unto his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was buried from oh, excuse me, in order just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. A new life." Not a rejuvenated life, not a not a um, uh, not a not a makeover, a new life. So important. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So the identity in Christ is our willingness to die to self. Is our willingness to die? Do, do you believe you have been moved and motivated by what you want? What your nature, your normal nature has wanted? Whether it's getting out of a tough situation and taking the easy way or, or the pleasures of life or whatever else. You've been motivated by that most of your life. And, and the blood of Christ, so blood is for red. The blood is... Um, is the evidence uh, on Earth uh, that comes from the moment of um, final uh, burial? It's amazing that the impact, what the impact that dying has on a life. It's not just that you suffered, but you're dead. Like I said before, you're dead. You're gone, um, and uh, and the impact is huge. I. I don't know if you've done or been a part of many funerals. Uh, Christian funerals are so much different than non-Christian funerals. I had a funeral with a um, with an unbelieving young lady whose two and a half year old daughter died, and I literally had to stop the funeral because her wailing was so loud, so loud I couldn't. You couldn't even hear my voice over the loud system. It is amazing what happens when the casket is shut. And when the casket is lowered down in the ground, that reality. What amazes me is how much unreality we live in. And it's exactly where Satan wants to keep you. He wants to keep you in the unreal so that you just think, hey, life is fine. And never get to that place where you have to come to and say, you know what? I need to die to myself. Oswald Chambers calls it this he calls it the white funeral. It's not a black funeral because it's, it's, not, it's not as though you're dying in your sin. It's a white funeral because it's that moment in which you got, it's the moment you got to the place where you're saying, I'm not fooling around with sin anymore. In Jesus Christ, I can overcome. And I'm not going to keep it in my life just because I might miss something. You know that's one of the biggest things why we keep sin in our life? Because... Because Satan whispers in our ears, you you might miss something. If you stop this in your life, you might miss something. You you know what we do with sin? We build a relationship with it. I did that for 18 years of my life. I built a relationship with sin. And so to put it away is kind of like putting down your wife. It's a weird way of saying that. I didn't even think about that until I said it. But it is. Somebody once said that you can't build a relationship with others if you have a relationship with your sin. And it's true. And so to have the white funeral is to say, I'm done. In the strength of Jesus Christ, I'm done. He said, I'm done. I can be done. I can die to my sin. I can die to it. Because he said it, not only baptized and identified with him, but dead in him to sin, to sin. Charles Hodge says this, there can be no participation in Christ's life without a participation in his death. We cannot enjoy the benefits of his death unless we are partakers of the power of his life. We must be reconciled to God in order to be holy. And we cannot be reconciled without thereby becoming holy. That, that's, that's the point of, of six is that the two realities happen in Jesus Christ. Dead to sin, holy in him. The two realities that happen, and so um, so. Have you had the white funeral? I have seen churches that have actually taken a casket and had people put their sins inside of a casket and they went outside, dug a hole, and buried it. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. But this, this is the cool thing. In response to the burial, listen to me, in response to the burial, what does it say? It says, new life. Right? That in, in, verse, in verse 4, it says that um, uh, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you know the Bible is full of that? It's full of that. In Ezekiel 36, 34, he talks about a new heart. In. Um, in Ezekiel 18.31, it talks about a new spirit. In Psalms 40, it talks about a new song. So many have interpreted that as that we got to write new songs somehow. And that is the, no, no. You have a new song in your heart. You can't sing Amazing Grace the same way because you realize what grace is. And that's the new song. Um, in... Um, in 1 Corinthians 5 <laughs> Well What do you want spirit? Uh, other side. Oh, is it the is it the alarm? Yeah. <laughs> Wow! Yes. Let's, uh, let's pray a minute while they fix that. Father in heaven, uh, we don't know why at this moment that uh, this disruption came, but we, um, we just pray right now uh, over this place. Uh, this is a um, spiritual safe place for your spirit to work in our lives. We ask that, uh, that you will um, position warring angels around here to protect us from the enemy who, Lord, is trying to come in, even in the, in the hearts of people. Lord, I pray that you will allow uh, peace to come into the wrestling heart right now. I pray that you will allow peace to come in the heart that you are revealing um, that sin still exists. And that a change needs to happen. And I pray that, Father, foundationally, you will give them a place of mercy to be able to look at it, not in the realm of condemnation, but in the, ra- the realm of your amazing love. Your eyes are not shining hatred. They're shining love right now. And so, Father, let it be in this place right now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, No idea where it was, but that's okay. Um, So we've talked about uh, identity and solidarity. We've talked about the willingness to die, but but look at at six and seven. A minute. Look at six and seven. It says, "For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be what done away away with." Yes. Somebody say hallelujah. Um, Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you. A little delayed, but that's okay. Um, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now he's going to go on and explain this more, and I don't want to unpack that picture until we get to it, but I, I just want you to think about that. Every single one of us knew uh, that we are a slave to sin. And, um, and that... Um, Uh, And that we're under uh, that tyranny. Um, But the, the third point is this. Listen to me. Not only that you die to yourself, but that the old man is ruined. He's ruined. There is not an equality between the old and the new. He's been ruined. That means that he's useless for his purpose anymore. Well, I wish that was totally true because then I'd be sinless. But yeah, no, no, no. But he is ruined. He no longer uh, is, um, it, it means to be completely worn out, useless. Value only, listen, to be thrown out to the garbage. That is the cool thing of what, of what um, Eric is trying to get across. Is that we can, we can throw the old man out to the garbage heap. We can. In Christ, we can. And so this is the other red. Because because there's another blood that has to be shed here. Listen to me. This is the tough one. You are listening good. (laughs) I'm listening to you. We don't realize that the second blood is when we throw the old man out to the garbage This is the place where I see people hesitating so much because they look at the cost of losing the old man and fooling around with sin and they say, I'm not sure I'm ready to shed that blood. But you have to. In response to grace, you have to shed that blood of the old man. And you can. Because as Eric said, he's dead Right? And yet, and his effect is not as it was, but there's still, there's still a war going on. But you in Jesus Christ have the power to throw the old man out to the garbage. How many want to do that? How many of you want to do that? How many of you are sick of his involvement in your life? Yes! I am too, and you can, you can. And so there are three things in, these, in verse six that, that tell you you can. First of all, it says that you're crucified with him. You're crucified. The act doesn't just bring pain, it kills, it puts to death completely. Second is sin might be done away with, meaning to render inoperative or invalid, to make something ineffective by removing its power. I tell people, you have two hard roads to go on. One hard road is to continue to sin. Continue to sin. It might be great right now, but someday you'll be eternally separated from God, and that is the most difficult of all roads. But you have to realize there's another hard road, and that is putting to death your old man. It takes intentionality. It takes it, it. It takes the the. We'll get to it uh, in response. But it, it, it takes the as Paul had it uh, said it in, in one Corinthians nine that he beat his body and he made it his sla- his his slave. American Christianity doesn't teach this. Hey, you were baptized. Everything is fine now. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. It's the start. It's a guarantee if you've been baptized in Christ. You can die to yourself and you can kill the old man. And and so crucified with him, sin might be done away with. And third, no longer a slave. We are no longer under the tyranny of sin. Now this is a secret that Satan doesn't want you to know. If if we're honest in this room, how many of us still believe? And I you don't. You, this is rhetorical. How many of us still believe we're under the regime and the tyranny of sin in our life? I want you to answer that question in your own heart. How, have you even this past week said, "I just can't stop doing this"? Right? I mean, right? And, and that is what Satan wants you to believe. But in Christ, how many things can you do? I can do all, is, is all, go ahead, yeah. What, what's that? I think he's mad because this is getting revealed, thank you. It's true, guys. This is, if this is an area in your life today that has been burdening you, I cannot stop this. There's two things you do. Right now, talk to God about it. Right now, don't wait. Right now, talk to God. And then, and, no, no I, I know, I know. You're not going to be happy with me. But go and destroy that which is, that is helping you to participate. I know it's a hard road. I know it's a hard road. But if you don't take if you don't take intentionality to put the old man in the garbage. You know, I mean James tells us that how does he say it? He says that what you know is wrong for you is sin you that's where we don't get into legalism Um, somebody in this room may be an alcoholic it's sin for you to drink i've chosen not to drink just because i'm leading this church and i don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody but it's not a sin for me to drink i'm not an alcoholic it's never controlled me even as a child i didn't even like the taste my wife has a story about the fact that she took some beer and then she poured it in the plant next to her in the house. Either one or two things happened with that plant. Either that plant just like, Woo-hoo, or the other, or the other thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, so, but what, is, what is wrong for you to do is sin for you. And you know what it is. You know what it is. The Spirit's witnessing to your heart, even right now. And so kill the old man. And then finally, holy smokes. And then finally, I was serious about the roast, wasn't I? (laughs) I, Then finally, verse 8 through verse 10, listen to it. It says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. People of God, if there's any verse in this chapter that you want to memorize, it's that one right there. It's that one right there. It's the fact that, that the death he died, he died to sin once for all, You don't have to keep dying. You can live. Why? Because the life he lives, he lives to God. That's awesome. For Christ to call us to live a holy life before he did the act of killing death would have made no sense. And to many people, even in this room today, living a holy life does not make sense because your focus is still on you. You cannot live a holy life. It is impossible for you to live a holy life without Jesus Christ. But because he killed death, you can. Because he killed death, and that's, that's the fourth one, Christ's death killed the reign of death. And it's yellow. It's yellow. And so, baptism, identity with, identity, willingness to die, old man is buried and is ruined. Christ's death killed the reign of life. Now, this is the reign of death. Thank you, reign of death. Thank you, yes. <laughs> Whoa, but this is why I think God wanted us to have these colors. What color does blue, red, and yellow make when they're mixed? Purple! What, what, where did you go to school? <laughs> Come on, you artists. What color? Who said it? Yes, you're right, Mary. Brown. Go ahead and, yes, go ahead and, yes. We're going to stop here. I'm going to carry this on next week because I think the Lord wants us to. But, but we're going to stop right here because I think that, that the reason it's 25 to 12 is because the Lord says, I want them to focus on what happened to that cross for their life this week. I don't want you to, you know, um, D.L. Moody um, said that he preached one of the most powerful gospel messages he ever preached. And then he told the people to go home and to think about it, and that next week they'd come back for, um, uh, for commitments. And that was the week that the Chicago fire broke out, and half of his congregation was killed in the fire. And so we're not going to let a week go by without calling you to action. Because of the cross. Your baptism is in the identity and solidarity is in the identity of Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, you today can lose yourself, die to yourself, die to those things that are holding on to you. Because of the cross, Jesus Christ and what he did for you, you can throw the old man out to the garbage. And I know he's been burdening you this week. But you can throw him out to the garbage. And because of the cross you can have new life in Christ. Why is that? Because Christ died to the sin. Meaning he died um, to the penalty of sin. He took on the wrath of God and, he, and the legal demand of the Father's justice and he took that penalty on himself. That's the first reason. The second is because he broke the power of sin. And he did this on our behalf. And so God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Right, Kyle? So that, can you complete that for me? No, (laughs) can somebody so that in him we might have the righteousness of god the righteousness of god are we singing rock of ages next so as i'm thinking about this a song came to my mind that's rock of ages and listen to what it says. There's the dualistic power that Jesus Christ did. He paid the penalty, but he also broke the power. And listen to Rock of Ages. It says these words. It says, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy raven's side flow. Be, be of sin, the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure do you know that they changed those words? I couldn't find them in any of the hymn books that I had. It was another phrase. And it's just like, wait a minute. Don't take those out because that's exactly what happens because of Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for the wrath of God, but he also makes us holy. We can be new people. Listen to me. Even in the, and and this is where sometimes Eric this theology of being dead can go wrong because, because people can get frustrated with the fact that the old man keeps trying to affect them. Right, and that is, still, that is still the old man. Yeah, but anyways, and so it frustrates people because, well, I put to death that old man. I threw him out to the garbage, but here I'm being affected again. But Christ broke the power no longer you're under the tyranny of it. And that's what's so important. You can, listen to me, you can say no. No, no, you don't get this. You can say no. No. He said it. You can say no. You get that? No matter how, what the circumstances, no matter what it's going to cost you, you can say no. And that is the greatest miracle you'll ever know in your entire life. Because before, you couldn't say no to sin. But because of Jesus, you can. Will you do it all the time? No. That's where repentance is a lifestyle. Now, if somebody here today doesn't get this, because you've never really eaten the flesh and drank the blood of Jesus Christ, I call you today to do that. How do I do that? It's by being honest with him. Let him know who you really are. Let him know that, that you know exactly what he did on the cross for you. And that it was for you. It's personal. That he bore your sins. He paid the penalty and he broke the power. And then receive what Jesus Christ did. Receive it. It's a whole new life. Because Jesus lives, I can face tomorrow. And so as we close, we have, oh my goodness sakes, so much better than what I could have ever done. Danny didn't realize this was going to be a, a, a two-week thing. You're, oh, no! I may, have to, I may have to have a new artist next week. We'll talk. We're going to keep this up in front of us. Yeah? Okay, we'll have to talk. All right. All right, Linnea. People of God, stand with me as we, uh, as we receive not what, please hear me, as we receive not what a, a mere human has said, but as we receive what the Holy Spirit has spoken into our hearts as I have been speaking, don't harden your hearts. I, I hear it. Don't harden it. Receive what he said to you and believe it. And we're going to get into that next week, but receive it and believe it. And, And this today, don't let today go by. Today, Junior, receive it. Believe it. And let his spirit flow over your heart to bring his mercy that was new this morning. Let it flow over you. Amen? Amen? And if there's anybody that has done that, I'm up here after church. Let's talk. <laughs> Heavenly Father, here we are in this place, and your word is true. I thank you so much for the fact that um, the Apostle Paul had all the credentials to be able to say what he's saying to us. And that, Father, that it is, it is for, um, for your glory And our good. And so, Lord, I pray that today that somebody has received in their heart the four great reasons for for their confidence in you and what you've done. And that, Father, that even this week there will be someone who, as they see that you have, have, with courage, gone to the cross, that their back will stiffen up this week and they'll make decisions this week We'll make decisions this week that bring you glory, that will say no to sin, that will trash the old man and maybe throw the things out that are causing us to sin if we need to. And that, Lord, we begin, we begin through obedience, as we'll learn next week, to follow you. And in that obedience, we grow and learn. We grow and learn. We grow and learn because true knowledge comes out of confidence and obedience to the one who is true knowledge. And so teach us the art of losing ourselves, so that your identity will grow and be gain, will gain more traction in our life and in the lives of those people around us. Father, you never meant people to sit in a chair just to keep something to themselves. But it is a changed life and a renewed life that can't keep their mouth quiet. So open our hearts and open our mouths so that others can gain confidence in in you, the one who has given your life so that we could have life. We love you and we trust you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said,